Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. Uh, We are still recording from different places. This is still unusual and weird, Um, and I'm still Camille Foster. I generally do things at Freethink, but I haven't been able to go into the office, so half of the day I chase my two-year-old around the house. And it's a big house because I'm not in Brooklyn, but you know most of this already. Um, and fortunately, while they're not here in person, they're they're actually more than here in spirit because they are here connected with me mm. via the interwebs. Michael Moynihan, oh. of Vice News, and Matt Welch, editor at Larger Reason Magazine. Both of them are on Skype with us. I don't know whatever happened to that Anthony Fisher guy from Insider. I don't know. The last I heard, he-, he was dead. <laughs> <laughs> he had been. I'm not sure that's fresh. No, that's yeah. he had been killed by a pack of coronaviruses or something. Yeah. Um, oh a- my gosh. Anthony is in Queens, and uh, we're letting him spend time with his ever expanding family. He has a very big family. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna make sure, like a he- like a good like a good Catholic Jew. Yeah. I keep yeah, exactly. telling him to get the hell out of the epicenter of the coronavirus, like Camille did about five months ago, or whenever it is that he left. Um, yeah, dude, I'm in Hasidic uh, Williamsburg. Talk about you, e- I mean, talk about epicenter. You guys might have turned the corner. I mean, I don't know if you heard. New Rochelle is like uh, it's uh, it's gotten better. That's that's how far along they were. So wow. maybe you'll you'll uh, you'll flatten the curve uh, in in the near future. Are they better because everyone died? I mean, it's like there's no more going on because I mean it was pretty brutal there, wasn't it? It was awful. Uh, no, they. I, 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 the headline on uh, the on a piece that I saw tweeted about today was something along the lines of, uh, you know, they're ending the super duper lockdown there um, because they've, uh, they've they've turned the corner. Now it's the it, Queens. Actually, it's Queens more yeah. than uh, Brooklyn, more than Manhattan. Like the grisly hospitals where they have the morgue tents. Are uh, those are in Queens um, and yeah. providing all the great New York Post covers right now? I mean, the best thing about uh, being on lockdown in New Rochelle is you don't have to go outside in fucking New Rochelle, which is like the worst place on earth. <laughs> so, oh, just for the second, I don't think we have any listeners in New Rochelle, and if we do, we don't want you because that's oh. it. <laughs> it's not nice. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going crazy, but. You, you guys know. are like I you thought that I had a day of of like irrational non mat like anger bearism, and then yeah. I get on the Skype with you guys, and you're spitting more fire than uh, and I've been able to accumulate all day. So thank you for making me feel like oh, I'm actually kind dude, of a calm one, dude. Yesterday, oh my god, I lost, <laughs> I lost it yesterday. So, um, I went out. I've been shooting, so I've been out in New York City. Which Tell is, people what that means because they're going to freak out thinking that you're like shooting Hasids out there. I am. I'm also filming something, which is a totally different um, <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> I, am, I am filming something. And so I've been out, um, you know, not under quarantine. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's all legal. Everything's fine. I got my NYPD uh, approved media badge. So they know that I'm, I'm allowed to be on the street. So I went out... Um, and uh, got to Times Square yesterday at 8.30 a.m. or something. Um, I posted as Instagram stories, so I guess they've disappeared by now. 
some pictures of it. It is the creepiest thing I have experienced in a very long time. I mean, after 9-11, the city was bustling because there were people going up and downtown, up and downtown, you know, trying to get downtown. And it was just, you know, there was a lot of activity because people were trying to keep going. Um, this is like a video game. Um, we got to Midtown Manhattan <clears throat> from South Brooklyn, I think in 13 minutes, 12 minutes in the car. Ah. Yeah. Over the bridge, there was nobody on the bridge. You know, across Delancey, uptown. I mean, no one on the FDR, no one on the West Side Highway, nothing anywhere. It's so crazy. So get out there, and there's nobody there. And so it takes beautiful, it's beautiful, really, but it's crazy and scary. Um, but the one thing that you do notice is that if you want, if you're one of these people that says, I really miss Times Square, how it used to be authentic. You know these people? I read a column about this yeah. a long time ago. Anthony Fisher hates this too. Um, I read a column about this a long time ago about um, bullshit authenticity about New York. I wrote for the Daily Beast. And um, if you want that feeling of Times Square, go now. Because you know what? New Yorkers are camouflage for the fact that Times Square is still crawling with crazy people. Because the only people out in the streets now are crazy people. They're homeless oh. people. It's, that's it. Nobody else. Nobody else. So every second, somebody is coming up to you. And by the way, the funniest thing, this is dedication to racism. The black Hebrew Israelites was there one guy. No. <laughs> I swear to God. I was like, is that the king of Zamunda? It was like, <laughs> <laughs> he had like a big robe on and like a, a fez. And I'm like, who are you talking to, dude? There's nobody, at, literally no, I can't even stress. I have photos of nobody out there but him. And the cops came, like honked at us and they're like, come here. And they were super nice. You're like, you guys cool? Everything all right? You know, you got masks? And I'm like, no, nah, no, we're cool. And, um, but so we were, we were doing that. And then I realized that this is the case everywhere in the city. You go downtown, we shot down on Wall Street, you know, just the Michael Jackson thriller video, you know, like zombies lurching towards you. And I lost my mind. It's all in camera. I'll find it sometime and post it. But I just kept on losing my shit. I was like, get the fuck away from me. Because like, you know, you want some <laughs> COVID stuff. Who's kind of a vector? The guy who's not in garbage bags because he's not getting PPE is in garbage bags because that's his outfit. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Not, it's not the cover of the New York Post. Like, we don't have protection. Um, so, yeah, it is really frightening and, and frightening in the sense that just like it was nonstop harassment from people because you're the only ones out there and like they're going to come after you. So it was it was really well, scary. My, my general sense of things, though, at this point is if most people are following the rules, makes it a little safer and easier for you to break the rules and yeah. enjoy the city. And it's like better than any Sunday. Usually Sundays are my favorite day in New York because most people aren't out and the city feels a little calmer. And then it's after that, it's just any given holiday that you're there mm. when everybody else vacates the city. I can yeah. only imagine what a paradise it feels like now vacillating between the terror <clears throat> of dying from coronavirus and the joy of being able to enjoy the various places in New York without having other people around. You have entire train cars to yourself, which are apparently spotless. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's this like is, I, almost, I, almost, I almost get hit by a cop car because we were doing these like walking. <laughs> Hold on. I can see you in the video now and I see you fucking shaking your head um, because um, I'm doing a I'm, well, I'm doing a walking shot. Like the camera's like walking with me. I'm walking around like completely empty Times Square. 
And you do it four or five times from different angles and the rest of it. And the first like three or four times I did it, I walked across 42nd Street, 42nd Street and Broadway without looking either way because there are no cars. Wow. I mean, the, the, the light is green that I'm walking against, but I don't even look because I don't hear anything. There's no cars. And I did it again the last time. And like a cop car was like whizzing by. And I almost like I was like, holy shit, I have to stop and look on 42nd Street in Manhattan in Times Square to see what the hell's going on. So it's it's really something else to see. And uh, I went to Grand Central and posted a posted a picture of that, which was totally nuts at one in the afternoon. Um, we were basically the only ones in there. It um, is a beautiful uh, picture. I think our friend Andrew Wimsat has already like uh, put a soundtrack of like his friend's bands on it. Uh, it's, it's definitely like uh, album cover material in the non-touristic parts of New York uh, where I live. And actually Moynihan does too. But uh, um, we took, so last night we took a, a night walk with a family cause we're, you know, it's, it's the shining in here. Uh, yeah. and, oh, it's getting bad in the house. Uh, it, me, I, I'm the all work and no play makes Jack oh. a dull boy. Um, I'm, 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 you know, uh, lovingly fingering my ax. Um, and so like we took a, uh, we took a post dinner, like, let's just walk in the neighborhood and see what's going on. And I'll, you know, also like see what's open. And, um, my 11 year old observed that there's just basically three types of people out in the neighborhood now and it's the uh pizza delivery man mm-hmm. or the food uh d- delivery uh person um and uh the kind of a uh, lonely old person who kind of doesn't know what's going on this is the Moynihan version of the zombies but they're less aggressive because it's Brooklyn and not uh, Manhattan <laughs> and we mafia would would chase them out of uh you mean of, they're uh, old Italians is what you're saying yeah 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 um and if they're and if they're not they better be soon um uh, kind of thing, and and uh, and and that's basically it. I mean, there's still people playing basketball on the uh, on the park here. I think uh, De Blasio is going taking to the hoops, attempt. taking the hoops, take the hoops, going to take those hoops straight down. Uh, going to uh, solve everything. Yeah. It's uh, but it's eerie, and like the to Camille's point about it being nice to walk around. That that's the thing. I mean, you you, you move to the big city because like the bustle of commerce is what makes it fun. Yeah, like to see things happening and bodega guy who sells the flowers that are really nice or has the best avocados by the um, way matt can and, i interrupt you quickly you gotta yeah. get your fucking camera fixed on your on your <laughs> thing because you would see camille like shaking his head in a mix of horror and disgust at you saying the, the, bustling the bustle of commerce, commerce. and matt camille is like he's he's changed he's in the woods he's, he's changed physically <laughs> disgusted by humans transacting that. with one it's another amazing Hey Camille, well, do you know no, you're the I mean, first? I just <laughs> you're the first black I don't person I've ever met that loves the Turner Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> you're like in the woods. Well, I have I have news I have news for you. Uh, I'm not a black person. Yeah, and yeah. I also have never read the Turner Diaries. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, you know, I get the joke. When you it read very it, funny. you should you should keep not being a black person because I don't think that the Turner Diaries is very favorable to those who self-identify. Um, uh, so, so who's yeah? So are you getting like are you getting like a, a, a deliveries via a drone? Yeah, what's like going how, on? How there? does it work no. out there? And what's uh, going on? No, I just go. I go to the grocery store a couple of times a week, contract con- coronavirus, and at some point we'll give it to the rest of my family. Apparently, I got it. Now you- I'm all over it, man. 
I got it. So much of it. <laughs> I'm serious. It, I think it's I got possible. It. It's possible you actually Wait, did so, have it. You, I know you, you got, believed you it got before. Tested, dude. Yeah, but like it's not a cancer test. We're like, oh, okay, that <laughs> lump doesn't have cancer. It's like it's not going to become cancer tomorrow. I interact you know, you with like right people afterwards. wearing you know fucking Kleenex boxes on their feet and pissing in their in their uh, diapers walking around Times Square. If I don't have it now. It's impossible to get, and the whole thing's a hoax. Well, <laughs> well this is the thing about about <laughs> having about about having an extensive testing regime. At some point, we will, if we don't have a vaccine developed in the near future, the goal is to have cheap, affordable testing. Um, I saw some uh, famous economist say something along the lines of it: "It ought to be uh, the price of a latte to get a test done, because you actually have to get tested all the time, over and over again." Because while yeah. you didn't have it yesterday, you might have it two days from now, at Absolutely. least until we're able to do the sort of antibody testing um, that they're trying to develop, which actually tells you whether or not you have the antibodies for COVID in your bloodstream, which yeah. would suggest that you have some sort of immunity to the virus, although we don't yet know just how robust that immunity is. So if they, if they make that test, <laughs> once they make that test and I find out that I have it, dude, I'm going to be like <laughs> licking railings. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go around and be doing the most disgusting stuff for for a couple of days. But um, you know, it's it's funny in the past uh, going out and shooting. You know, I think people have calmed down in a way that when I tell people I am going out during this lockdown, um, and I'm in a car. We wear masks in the car, by the way, because there is some concern about some of us. We don't. We won't say which ones. Um, it's a crew of four who ever come into contact with people who may or may not have uh, COVID. Um, so we wear masks in the car, um, not necessarily when we're shooting, um, but y- you know, it's, 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 no one is really looking at you strange. Um, people understand there are other people out doing the same job that I'm doing. I was mm-hmm. at a thing with Bill de Blasio, uh, today, um, who's really just the most uninspiring human being. This is not even a political thing. I mean, that's a different ball of wax, but it's just an uninspiring person in an, environment in which everything was sort of inspirational and was like really kind of touching like our cynical camera guy and sound guy when they came out of the shoot were like man that was amazing that was like really touching and really really amazing and basically what Hmm. it was and i can say this because you know i just maybe it'll make people watch the piece when it comes out um it it, it is in a big hangar um in um, i don't know what you call a hangar for ships what do you call a hangar for ships so hangers for airplanes, right? You know when you build ships, yeah, right? In a big dry dock. Is that what it is? Right? I don't know. Yeah. But it's a big, yeah, it sounds right. That sounds about right. We're a bunch of dummies, but it sounds about right. We'll take that. But yeah, it's it's, it's 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 where they built the USS Brooklyn, which was uh was uh dropped into the water, I think in 1937 or 1938. It is an enormous enormous place in the Navy Yard, which was a war production uh part of the economy from, you know, 1942 well before the 41 too as we were ramping up. To the end of the war. So in that place, the guy who is who owns it has a company that does something totally differently, totally different, and decided when he heard uh, Cuomo and he was laying off all of his employees, basically, or furloughing them because the government told him he had to, he was like, you know what? I can figure some shit out. Let me figure some shit out. And from that idea to today, it was about five days or six days. And he's making uh, medical uh, uh, shields, uh, not masks. Oh, wow. The, the plastic shields, because he has plastic that he does for his other products. 
And now he die cuts it into the shape that you need for these shields. And he brought every one of his employees back to actually make them. So these guys that were all wow. furloughs and didn't have, didn't have any money. And they're like, you know, I met a Russian guy named Misha. It was a Ukrainian Jewish guy that was a refusenik. And then this Hispanic guy who was running the line before, I think he was, uh, I think he was Mexican actually. And they're all like, you know, the company tree sounds great, but we were about to be in some really tough straits. And now we're actually not even back. We're back doing this. And the health department in the, in, um, New York fast tracked the design. They made some tweaks on it because these guys were, had never done this before. And, mm-hmm. um, I posted some pictures on Instagram uh, of it today. They are doing incredible product. They're doing this stuff. There's one part of the shop that is doing it, you know, cutting the stuff, and then they're doing it by hand. And there's, it's wow. full of people and volunteers, and they're making these for the hospitals. And they're, I, I think, going to send out. Can't remember what the number is. One hundred and eighty thousand by Saturday or something. It's incredible. Oh, it's great. I mean, it is incredible. These guys and this guy's like a, like a serial entrepreneur. And I talked to him, and he was and and you know what? He, you know what he said? Here's the thing that will probably not make it in my piece because it's a different kind of focus. He, for our purposes, we'll kind of like this. He said, you know, the greatest thing about this is seeing the possibilities when all of this regulation is kind of you know knocked down, and I can actually make these things and try to support this type of kind of war effort because they're so desperate. And he said, in another world, if I was going to do this and change my factory to make these things, it would take easily baseline six months to get approval yeah, to mean, do something it, like this. So it was really fascinating. That, sure. Really fascinating. Really inspirational a li- too. A libertarian economist of some sort, right? I presume he was just because he has a funny name and, and he had a long uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Twitter had, thread. And he had no friends. <laughs> and, a, and, a bow, and a bow tie. He was also wearing a bow tie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he was larping. <laughs> uh, but he like walked through the uh, the procedures that are required just from uh, FDA websites in order to uh, qualify to get the approvals to make medical devices as yes. simple as mm-hmm. just a stupid mask. Yeah, um, he's he was a uh, K, it was a Cato guy. I think I saw this thread on Twitter. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really yeah, good. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it was great. And like you know, think about this: the Czech Republic. Um apparently uh has something like a hundred percent of its population of ten million or so people are all out there wearing masks. It's not because the president, whoever that is, probably an asshole, um yes. uh he actually uh, uh yeah, uh said it's not because it like he like invoked the Defense Production Act from nineteen fifty or something. Mm. Um it's because Everybody at home is like, screw it, I'll sew a mask. <laughs> and they still know how to sew. And uh and there weren't any anybody telling them they can't do it. And and then also it just sort of became like a uh big meme thing where everyone's sort of helping each other out and uh and uh and posting on social media and we're just, you know, whatever. Um that's great. Um and it it's one of the many uh frustrations and blood boilers out of all of this is um, you know, you see some people, um, including perfect strangers or including old friends, um, who just at some point in all of this crisis and everyone's tense, you know, everyone's under some strain. It's a pretty weird thing that's happening right now. And, and, you know, most of us are probably going to know someone, uh, who gets it. Our friend Kennedy is being tested, right. Uh, you know, as we speak, I'm, I'm, I'm like mashing the retweet or the, the refresh button on Twitter 
waiting for her to announce what happened to the results there. And, and I'm uh, anxious about it. So everyone's, but like people like, you know, damn it, libertarians. <laughs> like you did this. It's like, dude. I, I mean, we've been sitting crazy. there talking about like, maybe not uh, have make it so difficult to test drugs, to make medical devices without jumping through a trillion hoops and saying very specifically, like the, the reason why you don't want to do that is because people will die in the meantime. And we don't like the, when people die. Um, it's very frustrating uh, to see that. <laughs> I think I think it is amazing that anyone thinks that it is a better idea, right, than the sort of emergent way that things are happening in certain instances, that what we actually should do is have the president of the United States, Donald Trump, ordering factories to pu- to produce things and coordinating things to make certain that it happens. The notion that he ought to have more control over stuff and that somehow that would lead to better outcomes across the board is, I think is fanciful. Uh, and, and I think oftentimes people imagine, you know, well, during a war, during a military effort, well, what we do is we like build all of the tanks and we do all the things that are necessary to win that war. We do it and it's, it's, it's seamless and it's perfect and it's expert. No, there's tremendous waste. There's like un- unbelievable volumes of waste and incredible inefficiencies. But it's all the sort of stuff that you endure when you have an existential crisis, an actual conflict. And it certainly could be said that a confrontation with the virus that is wiping out your population, and I'm not saying that that's what this is, and it's not wiping out the population, but you'd understand what I'm saying, um, is, is one of those circumstances. Um, but it also incredibly likely that there are more efficient ways to accomplish some of those goals. Um, and to the extent we can do some of those piecemeal things to actually liberate people so that they can produce the things that we need, like that is a very good outcome. I've been shocked by the number of articles I've seen with people wringing their hands, completely outraged that Apple and Facebook and whoever the hell else and Salesforce are delivering masks. I saw a headline <laughs> in like The Verge, outraged, yeah. outraged that they're doing this work suggesting that this is this is somehow wrong. It's inappropriate that they're doing this work because they're not accountable to anyone. He, oh, he Camille, it's this, wor- this it's worse journalist than that. Su- suggested that I, I'd ask them when they were going to deliver this, and I didn't get a response. Oh, that, that was my and favorite. this is yeah. unacceptable. <laughs> this is unacceptable. They didn't because they didn't respond to, to your email? <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Well, the other thing was like, we shouldn't rely, that was the phraseology, was like, we shouldn't rely on private companies to do this, which, which is so hilarious that the person writing that headline or writing any of that is never stopping to ask themselves, why are we relying on them? Because who else are you talking about who could potentially fill that vacuum and do it? You're talking about the government. Why isn't the government doing it? Well, it's because of Donald Trump. My dear, come on now. Let's pretend. I mean, if you see the failures and the cascading failures um, in a country like Italy or Spain, who have very large governments that are very intrusive in the economy and they're failing too. The, fa- the, 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 the point of failure here is not my favorite thing is to mm-hmm. watch this. People talk about. Um, capitalism. I hear this a lot because they're trying to shoehorn their kind of predetermined notions about what this is and what's causing it and what we can do to dislodge this system that I presume, having no knowledge about this stuff, I presume is responsible. And we actually see these market solutions to these government failures. And I cannot believe 
that anyone is thinking about this in a different way. I mean, this is also not, and I saw one particularly stupid person who is respected as a journalist and I see on Twitter quite frequently, and I um, wasn't previously paying attention to and now I am for stupid reasons, and realized how outstandingly dumb this person is. And for some reason, respected because they become an expert in everything overnight, because now it's Corona. I mean, if there was a war in Guatemala tomorrow, this person would be an expert in Guatemala. And I'm watching this person say, I'm not even going to give any identifying features to give this person any uh, sort of satisfaction, but saying, oh, you know, this is this is the failure of capitalism. See what's happening. It's like because the government shut down the entire economy, decided unilaterally. Whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing or a sensible decision, we can talk about. And we, I, I assume we will. But this is not an ordinary market failure, right? Am I wrong in thinking this? That there is somehow not, uh, you know, this has not ever happened in American economic history. Why? If this is some imperfection in capitalism, one would imagine it manifests itself here, here and there. And it's like, no, there is a bat virus from, from, from China. And all of a sudden we're like, what do we do about this bat virus? And they're like, I don't know. Don't call it the Chinese bat virus though. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing is that. And then second of all, we're going to shut everything down and then we'll figure it out later. Good God. Capitalism is horrible. I mean, you know what? We shouldn't rely on, on, Apple for like, no one is relying on it. No one ever said at the beginning of this crisis, okay, let's call Apple and see if they have 9 million masks buried under, you know, <laughs> in like uh, Steve Jobs' backyard that he left in his will or something. No, they had them because of wildfires, among many other things, and they donated them. And they donated them without the government, you know, twisting their arm. And the company that I saw today did this without the government twisting their arm. I'm sure they saw both a duty and an opportunity. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you see a financial sure. opportunity to make a shitload of money by creating a vaccine, God bless you. I hope that you, you know, you know, get this windfall and you earn it. And I hope you buy the nicest house that is available to somebody in the Western world or wherever it comes from. One but the, I think uh, that this idea that it is somehow um, in, in, in ideological or economic failure of an entire system is so absurd that it makes me question the people, the sensibilities of any of the people who say that. There's a um, a kind of pining that you see sometimes, uh, Camille. I think you were mentioning, uh, or maybe it's Moynihan, uh, the uh, wartime production. Like if we just uh, go back to sort of World War II era production, or if we just you know acted like Britain did when they're, mm -hmm. during the Blitz, like you know what governments did back then, right? Like forced rationing on people. Uh, lied all the time about everything. Um, that's what happens mm -hmm. in moments of high crisis. Um, there is there's really enforced propaganda. There's all kinds of bad stuff that happens there. It isn't some like super great moment that uh, everything works really well and we all feel uh, great about it. it, it that's right. It, it comes with yeah. really really bad stuff, and uh, you don't necessarily get the things that you want faster. I, I won you know, the glorious stories you tell yourself after you've won the battle, after the after the emergency has passed, um, necessarily don't always add up to to precisely what happened during during the moment. The the troops on the front were desperate from things that never arrived. The the guns that we that we built didn't actually work as advertised. 
and we're still paying for the the sort of sixth iteration of this jet that will never fly. Like that is what happens. Um, so one must one must be aware of that, and it's certainly appropriate to be cognizant of the fact that virtually every government on Earth failed here, all of them. There are certainly places where the virus hasn't been nearly as devastating, and there are certainly places that have done a much better job um, standing up uh, standing up their response. But to the extent we've seen outcome differences, it's actually going to take a long time for us to understand the reasons why things are playing out differently in South Korea and in Japan um, and seemingly in Germany, Germany, which has a lot of infections, but not nearly as many deaths. Um, And in Italy, like to what degree is are the cultural dissimilarities between Italy and Japan um, at play in a virus that doesn't seem to be nearly as um, potent and deadly uh, there in Japan as it has been in Italy. Does it have something to do with the fact that like virtually everyone wears masks and most of the population are familiar with this, that in, in Asia in general, they've had recent uh, issues with similar uh, epidemic pandemic risks Um and have had to respond to those things in kind that they've actually built some of the systems that we've been told for decades now that we ought to be building to prepare for just this sort of inevitability. Um, and multiple administrations in the, in the United States and quite frankly, around the world have failed miserably at that. Um, and I think it is, it is a profound mistake and a really dangerous error to be so obsessed with the degree to which Donald Trump is simply not up to most tasks and is kind of a, a buffoon in in many respects and generally beclowns himself when he's standing there giving these pressers. Um, but it's it's a mistake to get particularly hung up on him when the failings are so systemic and when the the risk of this actually happening again is it's not high, it's a certainty. Like this will, yeah. it's only a matter of when. It, it, to, to add one thing to your point, Camille, about Donald Trump, I think that one of the things that's really bothering me about this is I don't know what the right approach to this is. And the reason I don't know is because I'm not a scientist. And what I'm doing is I'm watching and following and seeing and, and trying to kind of find some sort of logical holes in some of this stuff, but not some scientific ones because I don't have the capability of actually judging that. But so, you know, I'm just looking at this in a kind of trying to be open-minded and all the different approaches uh, uh, people are taking. But to see the way that one point of view about this has been politicized only because of its association with Donald Trump. So if you don't, if you don't think the draconian measures for a long period of time is the right way to go, I don't know what I believe. And that's not what I'm saying, that I think this is good or bad. Um, I think it's terrible for the economy. And some people say, well, that's what we have to sustain to actually save people's lives. Okay, great. I'm not sure what, I mean, we'll see how this all fans out in the end, though, a kind of footnote here is that if it's not, if it turns out not to be as bad as people say, I suspect we will hear that it's because we followed these draconian measures. And there's there's no way to actually kind of prove it in one in one way or another. But the one thing I want to say is that it is, it is really incumbent upon people to whatever Donald Trump says is not to immediately go into this mode that, oh, God, this is the wrong point of view, just because he says it. A dumb, you know, you know, blithering buffoon, as I believe Donald Trump to be, doesn't invalidate an argument. I'll give you an example. Sweden is a country I pay a lot of attention to. 
And I was watching the news in Sweden uh, last night, the live news at six o'clock in Sweden. I was at the apartment and they have a state epidemiologist who comes on. And I had heard that they're taking a different approach. And not only are they taking a different approach, they're like Boris Johnson backed away from the UK's approach of like saying, well, let's see, let's keep the schools open. We'll blah, blah, blah. So they're doing a different thing now, but they, they started that way. Sweden, which is a, a government, it's a coalition government, it's a social democratic government. It's a, you know, a left wing country that uh, Bernie Sanders desperately wants to emulate the United States. They are, have not uh, banned gatherings of anyone under 500 people. The trains are packed with people going to work. The schools have not been closed. Hmm. This might be a total disaster, but it is not Donald Trump. Netherlands, very mm-hmm. similar, right? So it, it, when you say like, oh, that's the Trump Republican response is to say, this is heavy breathing. It's not a big deal. That it might be something that, that is true that because they're these sort of brain dead people that you know, what Trump says becomes their argument, you know, a Sean Hannity type person that, you know, will change with the wind, depending on what Trump says to be in his good graces. But there's a lot of people who are just looking at this in a way that they don't quite know. And the scientists saying this too, Camille sent me an interesting piece, which I hope that he can give us a precy of, of four Harvard scholars today, four of them, I think three or four of them that had a slightly different idea on this. An Oxford study the other day they had a different idea on this. Maybe the entire population of England has actually already gotten it and, and they expelled it from their system already. This is one possibility. But the thing about it is it's not anti-science to say that. And the reason it's not is because these are scientists that are saying this and having different views at Harvard, at Oxford, at you know uh, Imperial College, in Sweden, at Karolinska in Sweden. These people have different views. There is not a correct answer on this right now. And, and they're there learning. Real they're learning. And they're learning. And they're learning. Yeah. And there's a frustration that right. I have is people saying that the second you broach something that is outside of what has become the mainstream opinion in sort of New York bien pensant opinion is that you are like a denier <laughs> or a vaccine type denier or, you know, a Republican or a... No, I'm open-minded and I'm, I also want the people in Sweden to be right because I want businesses to get back uh, to, to, to the health, some measure of health that they had before. And I don't want people to not have jobs. And I, don't, I also don't want people to die. But, you know, that should be a big deal to people. And they're not treating it as a big deal. One out. Yeah, this, this, you were referring to that Oxford study from uh, maybe two days ago. I think it might have been yesterday. Um, yeah, this is, we're recording this on Thursday night, so it was yesterday. Um, and yeah. actually, it was uh, it, the study was more so them developing a model. Um, and they actually developed a bunch of different models. And they tried to see, based on the actual sort of case fatality rates that they were seeing, uh, what what sort of facts in terms of the things that are unknown, like we don't know just how easily this thing is transmitted. Um, and we don't actually know the the death rate at this point or various other things that might be materially important if we're going to actually understand just how things will play out. And they were actually able to develop a bunch of different models that all fit those facts. Um, and one of them presumed that like something like 5% of the population had actually been infected. Um, and another presumed almost 50% had been infected. And when you play with the different variables, like the, the facts seem to fit either one of those assertions. 
Um, and the, the, one of the principal conclusions of this piece was until we're actually able to do the sort of antibody testing that we talked about earlier, they won't know which one of those things is right. And it is certainly the case that if it turns out to be the fact that most Brit Brits had been exposed to this thing since like January, um, and they're only facing the outcome that they have now, then that would certainly suggest that you know, we, we've used a sledgehammer where we probably didn't need to, but we certainly don't know that that's the case yet. So we're, we're, we're acting with a great deal of uncertainty. And as a result, people are necessarily going to make mistakes. And in some cases, they're going to be overly conservative and they're going to, over, and, and in other cases, they're going to overcorrect. Um, and that's, that's just the nature of this whole situation. And I think it's, it's well and good to, to, be respectful of the fact that we just don't we don't know everything at the moment mm -hmm. um but but it, there is something to be said for just the quality of the the media coverage of these of these studies and in a lot of cases folks are rushing these studies out they are um making certain to sort of circulate their findings sometimes amongst themselves in other cases like they they've got pr shops that help push these things out into the news cycle and when journalists get a hold of studies during the best of times, they generally mangle the insights and they, they poorly report on the conclusions and they, they grab a data point and they torture it in the wrong way or they misinterpret something. And usually the stakes aren't particularly high. Um, at the moment, <laughs> everyone is at home. They're trapped in their houses. And unfortunately, way too many people are spending most of the day watching cable news with the expectation yeah. that they're going to learn something about this desperate situation. <laughs> and honestly, there is, there is almost certainly nothing that is worse for, for you than sitting around watching CNN, Fox, or MSNBC all day long. Um, stop it. It's, yeah. it's, it's a bad idea. In fact, even reading the New York Times every single day is probably not going to tell you much because on a couple of days, they're going to publish things that aren't particularly valuable. And I think it's, it's easy. It's easy to heap scorn on people whose job it is to be on television, you know, for an hour a day, uh, five days out of every single week and who are supposed to have something interesting to say and who occasionally get things wrong. Um, but it's, it's worthwhile for all of us to acknowledge, uh, one, just what a challenging job that is. And two, just how likely it is to go bad in a circumstance like this. Yeah, no, I, I, it's absolutely right. But the problem is that it, these are people who never admit that it goes wrong or it goes bad or that they're dealing with kind of incomplete information and making judgments based on that incomplete information. So a, a good example of this is the number of people who have done what I think is completely appropriate, which is to go back to the absurdities that came out of Trump's mouth about how this was not a big deal. We've got, mm -hmm. well, of course they, of course, overstate it and say that he said it was a hoax. That never happened. That was a hoax reporting about that actually. Um, and you know, he's, he's full of stupid things to say about this, but guess what? Guess what we're missing? That everybody else was wrong about this too. Right. And so I saw Bill de Blasio. Almost talk. everybody, not the, not Bill the tech bros. Well, yeah, I mean, there's not everybody, but there's a <laughs> lot of mistakes, right? So Bill de Blasio, it is March right now. It's March 26th. And Mar early part of March, Bill de Blasio, who is spending most of his time believing that he's still running for president <laughs> and attacking Washington, D.C., tweeted this. 
since I'm encouraging New Yorkers to go on with your lives and get out on the town despite coronavirus, I thought I would offer some suggestions. Here's the first. And he mentions a, a, a film that you should go see. That was that was recently. That was not in January. That it's was in March second or third or something yeah, like that. March second, yeah. yeah. So now another one that nobody has seen. I just happened to come across is uh, Stat News, which is a very respected um, uh, medical website for medical news. Had a thing on um, January thirty first. So this is developing in China. We know a good deal about it in, at the time, but you know not what's going to happen. Health experts warn. This is the headline. China travel ban will hinder coronavirus response. Now, the only thing that Trump did right, of course, and good, good God knows if it was maybe for the wrong reasons, but was the, the travel ban, right? It was a smart thing to do. The first paragraph of this, I really need to read to you because it really is enlightening in the fact that this came from, you know, red state or the federalist or something. I'm, I'm sure that we would be hearing no end to it. And I want to make sure to point out that Anybody who screws this stuff up should be willing to admit their error and go back to the things that they screwed up and say, yeah, 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 here's why I screwed up. This is the first uh, paragraph of very, the respected uh, publication is that the Trump administration's de de decision to ban most foreign nationals who had been to China in the last two weeks from traveling to the United States amid an accelerating outbreak of, of uh, novel coronavirus there was preceded by calls for similar policies from conservative lawmakers and far right supporters of the president. Public health experts, however, warn that that move could do more harm than good. Mm -hmm. That's amazing, isn't it? And then a couple paragraphs down, we're told that Mike Cernovich, prominent conspiracy theorist and early Trump supporter, had agitated on Twitter for a Chinese travel ban, as had Michael Savage, another conspiracy theorist and radio host with white nationalist beliefs. This was the one thing that I can think of that Trump did right early on, was to shut that uh, travel down, right? And he is, uh, if you go back to January, that's a story that we see quite, quite frequently. Go out there and look for it. And you can always limit your search on Google by, by, by searching by date and anything before a certain date. And you will see the number of people that calls President Trump a racist for shutting down travel from China which is considered now to be not only the smart thing to do, is I'm sure there's probably criticism of not, him not doing it soon enough. So everyone's wrong about this, right? And admit that you're wrong and move on. This is not my type of journalism because I'm not a science journalist, but I can go back and see all these people that were giving incredibly bad advice or saying that like, good God, you know, health experts say that shutting down travel from China is wrong. Really? Uh, the case that I've been paying the most attention to locally, speaking of de Blasio, was his decision about the schools and, and uh, not just because I have two daughters that attend public school here, um, but also just the question of, hey, look, you know, are these vectors of germ swapping kids who then go home and, and without uh, feeling all that sick themselves, give it to their parents, or their grandparents, and it seems to be kind of a problem or an issue. And Michael, you mentioned a March 2nd tweet. Richard Carranza, the head of the uh, Department of Education here, think as recently as like March 15th or 16th, so we're talking like 11 days ago, was presented with a petition of like 108,000 people saying, you know what, you should really close the schools here. Um, uh, at that point, New York was a laggard 
um, mm-hmm. nationwide in closing down schools. L.A. had already done it. Washington, a number of states, um, a, a few dozen countries by that point had shut down schools in the worry that kids were spreading the, the virus unknowingly among each other and then giving it to the teachers and et cetera. And um, Carranza, who is an absolute D, I mean, he is just a jackass jerkwad. Um, he uh, said, well, come back to me when there's 108,000 epidemiologists who tell me the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> and this happened literally a, like a day or two days after there had been an open letter to Carranza and de Blasio from 37, 36 epidemiologists uh, from New York uh, who were in the New York uh, uh, university system saying, dude, you got to close the schools. What, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Um, this was their approach. And de Blasio was out there doing his ask the mayor crap on, on WNYC and the other places that he goes and delivers his like lips pursed, you know, uh, performances <laughs> about how Trump is, is really bad. God, I hate de Blasio. He's just, I, he's just I mean, really, <laughs> when you're six foot seven, don't purse your lips. Mm. Just don't like, <laughs> you, you, got, general you, don't? you got a bunch of like power moves available to you, right? Like you, you can just stand there. Like I'm six, seven. I don't, <laughs> I don't have to do nothing because I'm six seven. You go to hell. He didn't. He's like, no, no, oh, you're God. no, Larry. How you wrong? Anyways, uh, so <laughs> on March fifteenth, Bill De Blasio is out there saying, well, you know, it's the kids don't get sick, and it's just not clear that they really get the virus at all anyway. So I, you know, we don't see the problem. That's like, no, that's not. That's not what them scientist people say. Mm. Like you, he was he was saying wrong science, um, uh, confidently because he was all um, uh, predisposed for a bunch of other reasons, many of them ideological uh, to not to, you know, close the schools as the last possible thing. Um, can I, can I say you- something in the man's defense, Matt? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Try. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> I mean, look, I, the, there, it's not as though, I mean, I think in the same, in the same week, the schools were still open. This was maybe three weeks ago. It was, uh, Michael Osterholm, um, who is the author of deadliest enemy, who we mentioned a couple of times, uh, he was on Rogan's podcast. And I, I expressly heard him say that closing schools, uh, might be a bad idea because the kids it, don't it might seem to get w- it and suffer from it badly. And, and there were, a great many trade-offs to be considered with respect to kids who weren't being fed. And even today's development with Cuomo, the governor of New York, New York, the New York city, the epicenter of, of the Corona pandemic here in New York in the United States of America, like even Cuomo suggested that we might've made a mistake by quarantining everyone because we've got young people shut up in homes with older people. And it's, very likely that they might that's, the, given I'm more not, time that they might be giving this to them. I'm and not I'm, criticizing. I'm just saying, I'm all, not I'm, criticizing, all I'm suggesting no, is that, sh- but before you, you before you, before you correct you're it, you're straw manning me, bro. Before you correct I'm it, I'm not straw manning you. I am, yes, you are. I haven't said you anything. I haven't are. made, I haven't made my point yet. I'm just, just laying out some context. So what I'm saying here, Matt, is that this, it seems to me is incredibly complicated. And even for de Blasio at the time, it's not so much that he was giving wrong science like the the question is unsettled it was unresolved and it was certainly the case that it wasn't obvious to everyone who has an informed opinion on this precisely what the best move was whether the kids were better off going to school um so that they could be out of the house for a while 
um, or if it was better to just isolate everyone and close schools and bring everyone home. Because once you've closed schools, then parents do have to be home uh, a great deal more. And maybe it's so, a grandparent who comes over to watch the kids. You make a really, so I'm, all I'm saying a is real, it's a really interesting argument about what uh, is an interesting policy question, which is not actually what I was criticizing de Blasio for. De Blasio was saying kids don't pass it on. Asymptotic people do not pass the virus along. That is wrong okay. science. The question of whether schools should be open yeah, or closed, I, I, I totally, I totally that. agree with yeah. you. That's an interesting open question. I happen to think, um, conclude um, that it that he should have closed the schools uh, earlier, but whatever. It's a conclusion, and I saw and read and retweeted and recommended people read arguments saying, hey, look, it's more complicated. Um, here's an, a good argument for keeping them open for as long as you can, and et cetera. I agree that it was all there. He was saying that kids cannot pass this uh, virus on to other people. That is wrong science. There is no, mm-hmm. there is no way of wrapping it around and listening to a long enough uh, Joe Rogan podcast to get to a point where that is <laughs> correct science. That is incorrect science. And de Blasio was saying this on March fucking 15th. He Oof. was saying this 11 days ago. Um, and okay, well then I'm, I'm glad I tried to defend him. That's good because then you double down and you made it much worse. Yes. No, he's terrible. He's miserable. Hmm. And he purses his lips. I mean, I don't, he's, he's <laughs> you mentioned that. Yeah. Don't do it. He is tall. Um, I, I do want to say that we are, um, going to be doing, um, Patreon episodes, uh, again, I hope at, a, at the rapid clip we were doing them before we had to take a little, uh, break for, for work and family stuff, uh, cause we were doing like one every 25 minutes, uh, before that. <laughs> so everyone's like, oh, we're really bored. I'm like, I just, what do you want me to talk about? Like, I'll, I'll do it for you. I just get, tell me, give me a subject, then I'll send it to them. Um, <laughs> I, I did talk uh, to somebody who was doing something before they were uh, laid off, furloughed because of this. And then they were doing, uh, they became a cam girl uh, on the internet. Oh, hmm. yeah. Interesting. I'll Whoa. See, I'll see if Whoa. she to come on. When did you, yeah. when did you talk to her? Uh, a couple days ago. I talked to her oh. on the cam. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want to talk to you about it too much. Cause like, I'm, you're just racking up my credit card right now, but. You want to do yeah. some journalism yeah. about it. Um, that's wow. not true. Um, but on wow. when we go back to the um, to the Patreon, because I, I this deserves a pretty full airing, is that we talked on the pa- last Patreon episode um, about a correspondent uh, named Lisa who was working. No, no, no. It's it's not. Don't worry about it. You know why? Because she signed, she That's wrote not back. Her name. That's right. Well, she wrote back and she signed it Lisa in 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 quotes and like scare quotes. I think, I think yeah. it's a fake name. But she works at the CDC <laughs> and um, has a very 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 long, detailed, smart response to everything that we've been saying. And I want to make sure that um, when Lisa listens to this, probably pulling her hair out in big chunks uh, when when I say, "Huh, can we just talk about this stuff?" And then Camille's like, "Nah, it's all fake." Um, <laughs> <laughs> what i know i know the second that this is amazing misrepres- the second misrepresentation the second we stop recording you're like dude do you know about the holocaust that was kind of like not <laughs> what people said it was i'm like dude what are you doing out there it's just the that the numbers the yeah, numbers the are are in question yeah, yeah they're in question we want to get those yeah. right yeah 
Now, I've called you black a lot of things, like black Ron Paul. You're black uh, David Irving now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's certain people who would know what that is. <laughs> um, yeah. The ovens yeah. just can't get that hot. We have <laughs> no, to be honest about No. This. No. You can't. Oh. No. That's going to be one of those ones that, that we're going to flood it. No, you're going to flood it emails tomorrow saying, hey, what is that thing you cut out that Camille said? I'm like, I hate it. Yep. You, I swear to God, you know, I'm like, what's the time on this? But um, Lisa has a lot of uh, smart thoughts and um, she's an expert in these things and we are not. And, um, and uh, I think that it's perfectly reasonable for us to kind of air our anxieties and, and uh, questions about this stuff because we're learning about this stuff as almost everybody else's. I, I think perhaps we're paying a little mm -hmm. bit more, closer attention to it, but um, sure. yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is that I still think that there's a penalty online, particularly on, on Twitter. If you ask a question that, that is like, like slightly heterodox. And the reason I say that is I think, or the reason I think that exists is because in the kind of era we're in now of talking about fake news all the time and people on both sides do this, or like anti-vaxxers, whatever it is, like this, certain questions about this from people who were literally just confused and they don't know, hey, if this is really affecting only old people, is it that big of a deal? What about herd immunity? Like, is the death rate that high, et cetera? How is Italy different? Um, to mention that stuff is that because we have this kind of instinct now to talk about people who, who do question the kind of orthodoxy and things, to say that they must be crackpots and cranks and to say they're, you know, cause Donald Trump is doing this too. They must be Trumpian crackpots and cranks. And that's just not fair because I think that this is something that extends far beyond any typical ideological divides. I'll give you a good example is that Glenn Greenwald had a tweet today or yesterday when it was said that CNN, um, I think K, uh, KCRW, not KCRW, whatever the, the NPR station in Seattle is would not be covering Donald Trump's press conferences because he lies so much and blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and we remember this replay from the 2016 election of like Huffington Post is going to put him in the entertainment section and we're not going to, oh, we're yeah. going to cover him as a, as a joke because nothing he says is real because it is, this is this kind of sculpting of reality that both Donald Trump and his, his adversaries and detractors do is that you cannot sculpt reality in the sense that Donald Trump just believes he can make things up as he goes and just off the cuff and like, it's fine. And people question him. He says it's fake news. And the other people who want to sculpt reality in a different way that says you cannot hear what Donald Trump is saying, because you're going to be poisoned by his ideas. And you should not actually as a citizen of the United States of America, should not be able to hear what the president has to say, say because it is wrong, says, you know, a Mandarin at, uh, you know, KCRW or whatever it is. Margaret um, Sullivan wrote, uh, you know, the. That's bad, a... by the way. And Glenn, just a quick point. Glenn Greenwald, man, very much of the left, um, was like, this is crazy. And I agree. Donald Trump is crazy. And the response to it is also crazy. The yeah, Margaret Sullivan wrote a column of the Washington Post arguing precisely that. Like you know, we've got to, and we've heard this a lot. But the Jeff Jarvis's of the world, like you know, uh, hey Jack, uh, you have to cut his Twitter feed because he's mm -hmm. you know practicing hate speech or, or some kind of crap. Like, dude, he's the he's the president. <laughs> he's the president, like he's actually the president. Sucks, of the but he's the president of the States. Whatever. <laughs> like we, 
we got to this place uh, and like getting out of it is not going to require um, or is not going to be done uh, by censorship. But Matt, you understand this- the argument that with a counter argument to you would be that it's because Joe and Mika and the rest of us gave him this platform of, you know, giving him free coverage of his rallies that he is president. And without that, he would not be president. Right. Uh, well, that's not my problem. That's kind of Joe and Mika's problem. Um, if you, uh, also believe that, but it's also, it's the sheep theory of media analysis that it's been with us in communications theory. It's been with us since war of the Worlds. It's been with us since Hitler, uh, and, and et cetera. This belief that, um, people are out there, uh, they're sheep and they can be controlled. I mean, there was a piece, Ben Smith, who we've had on this program wrote a really poor piece. I think his second or third, uh, column for the New York times as media column, um, that kind of was, uh, was trying to snap at Lachlan Murdoch, um, because he was as, uh, in his role as chairman of, uh, of, um, Fox, um, news was spending more time, I don't know, buying TikTok or whatever these, not TikTok, but buying, you know, doing deals than noticing that uh, a lot, both though certainly not all of their primetime programming were for a period of 10 days poo-pooing the coronavirus and calling it a democratic hoax and a sham. And like, it was just very like connect the dots type of uh, uh, approach to thing. You see this really like uh, faulty media criticism that's based on, it's I mean perfectly fine and well to criticize uh, uh, a lot of the people in the Fox building on a daily basis, they be clown themselves constantly, but to exaggerate the effect uh, of a network whose you know, most popular show maybe gets three and a half million, four million on a good day uh, of mm-hmm. audience uh, of which, um, you know, uh, the median age is like 73. Um, but it's like, there's a big, big, big country out there of 330 million people. Let's not exaggerate it and let's not presume that the people just sort of sit there as these empty vessels uh, waiting to be uh, whipped up. Yes, absolutely. Both Fox and the president and politicians in general and political parties in general, um, they do have an impact on public opinion for sure. I mean, you see a lot of um, uh, attitudes that people who self-identify as Republicans or conservatives um, had in 2015 and how they just totally went the opposite direction in 2017, um, largely because the most um, successful uh, and mediagenic politician associated with their brand um, went a different direction. And they said, OK, and they went right along with him. So it's about Russia policy, about trade, a number of things. Yes, there's an impact there. But to sit and say that, like, what we need to do is cut the microphone, that's going to do it, um, is – it's just belied by all kinds of actual good uh, communications research and social science uh, research over the years that people don't want to grapple with. They, they they want something as simple as I can pull the uh, the pull the, the the mic out. I can I pull the cord out of the wall. I mean, that's it's, a simpler fix. It's totally insane in the sense that like it's not the same thing as saying that I don't think these people should eat junk food. So we're going to remove all the junk food from the store, all of it. And we're just going to put, you know, quinoa and, and farro and, and kale in there. People will end up eating that because they need it, right? If that's the only possibility, they need to survive. If they believe that they, if you take away Fox, for instance, that it magically, people would start reading the New York Times, 
They start reading what they want them to read, the false consciousness, the what's the matter with Kansas of it. And people have been sending emails in because I once kind of flippantly on the Patreon said, maybe I'll do because I'm quarantined in the house, um, a little less so now, but I have been quarantined in the house. Maybe I'll do uh, a two hour, one hour, 20 minute thing on manufacturing consent, the most famous of Noam Chomsky's uh, books. I would say it's the most famous of his books, which he wrote with Edward Herman and became a documentary which Chomsky, by the way, claims he's never seen. Um, That is essentially the same thing in manufacturing consent. You can manufacture consent of the masses, which is a a kind of bastardization of a Walter Lippmann quote, is that you can, you know, trick the American people into believing these corporate lies or these militarist lies or imperialist lies. And of course, it takes all agency out of the the listener uh, or the reader. You know, they're very easy to take these um, empty vessels and just kind of fill them with all of your propaganda and lies. That is presumptuous in the extreme. And I'll give you my example of why one should never assume because, you know, your neighbor went to Brown and is, you know, hectoring you about how the dummies in the middle of the country believe this and the smart person with the canvas bag with the New Yorker logo on it um, believes this. During this crisis, right, how both of you, I presume, have gotten some text, some information, and maybe I'm more exposed to people like this, um, from highly educated people who live in Brooklyn who have sent you something that is utter nonsense. I mean, not even within, I mean, <laughs> utter nonsense. I mean, I, I have been fighting battles on text and saying, this is not true. I mean, and these are these are kind of basic things. They're not like, you know, epidemiological arguments. They're just like things that are basic about this that aren't true because they've gotten into a panic mindset. So everything when you're in that panic mindset fits the panic mindset. You kind of, you kind of, you know, take this idea and you contort it in your head to fit this thing that you've already determined, right? We all know that that happens. But the funny thing about it is that these are the people that are incredibly smart and say, all these dummies are susceptible to fake news. Well, I suppose everybody is in some sense, right? Everybody's like, you know, what Noam Chomsky says in these, these, everyone, it's so funny to watch this stuff on YouTube. There's like lectures about manufacturing consent and the, the, the comments, these dummies in the comments who think that Noam Chomsky is the smartest man in the world. He's lying to you. And the thing about it is that it's not even a judgment call. Like there's stuff where he just makes things up. And he's Trumpian in that way, but he's like a clever version. But just because you're clever doesn't mean that you're going to be giving people accurate information. Stalin was quite clever, I'd imagine. Um, the most clever Georgian of the 19, 1910s. Uh, but, um, you know, this is, this is the thing that I find really strange about it, that there's this binary view that there's these dummies because of their, their priors, their, their ideas about ideology that we have to be careful of. And we have to ascend them on the right path. But we are sort of clean skins. We're sort of the ones that you should listen to. And we don't get things wrong. And when we get things wrong, it's because we're not going far enough. You know, it might be somebody that's like, you know, we don't like those Hillary Clinton people because they're not liberal enough, something like that. But, but otherwise, it is really astonishing to me to, uh, to see people say that, you know, these people who watch Fox get things wrong. And good God, do they ever. And God knows that I, that I would be the first to admit that a lot of that bad information that is ideologically motivated and tribal gets to people's ears and you see them repeating it. I heard it at tea party rallies of stuff that wasn't true that I know was a talking point on a particular Fox show, particularly Glenn Beck show. And I would hear people say it. That's normal. 
I say things that I read in books. Sometimes people say things that they see on TV. It happens, right? But it's totally wrong to suspect that this is kind of unidirectional um, ideologically. It's not. There's a, um, um, I noticed a sense of relief that came about the body politic about one week ago. Um, this would be on the left side of the sphere when uh, Senator Richard Burr, right, uh, mm-hmm. was um, the, uh, a piece from, uh, I think, Lachlan Marquet in the Daily Beast. And I apologize for getting some of that wrong. Um, uh, showing that, hey, he, he might have done some, uh, like, he might have been privy to some uh, briefing about coronavirus and then turned and either sold or instructed his stock people to sell uh, stock and this mm. and ma- made a killing of money. There was a bunch of other things and other senators that were uh, then looked at and each mm-hmm. one was least less convincing than the one before. But the sense of relief that I'm talking about, I don't want to completely adjudicate that thing because I'm kind of not interested with the purpose of this conversation. There was a relief to have a villain. Mm. And I've seen this over and over again um, and in the kind of relentless and one reason, uh, Camille, that I'm uh, I'm I'm touchy about uh, straw manning right now is that you see people were so relieved. Uh, uh, Tucker Carlson, um, who uh, has not been uh, uh, terrible at all about uh, reporting on coronavirus dating back to, uh, from January, he has not fit the caricature. That Ben Smith has uh, of uh, of Fox personalities for and sure. And by the way, attacking um, attacking his own network and saying it in no uncertain terms, there are people on this network that are downplaying us, and they shouldn't downplay it. Yeah, and that's worth that's worth pointing out. So Tucker Matt, had Matt, on uh, the, Matt. Is 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 it? The, I'm asking a question uh, of you. Is it is it the case that Tucker went and met with the president to convince him to take this situation yeah. more seriously? <laughs> I, I think yeah, so. I saw yeah, some he, reporting he went, around. He that, went down to Mar-a-Lago, I think he went down. Um, and there's some, uh, uh, like the president did change his uh, tone, um, which had been kind of cavalier and dismissive and boastful. You know, that's back when he was talking about like that's 15 <laughs> now. It's going to be zero pretty soon, which is wrong. <laughs> um, and he changed pretty soon after that uh, uh, Tucker meeting. But uh, uh, TV no, hosts so- can do that. That's pretty amazing. It's, I mean, he's got, there's yeah. like a bat phone to, to Lou Dobbs, God help us all, uh, or the, the carcass of Lou Dobbs. Um, uh, no, so uh, Tucker has on some governor of some damn place, Texas, Tennessee, again, Te- doesn't uh, te- really, uh, Texas, was, I think, yeah. Was it Texas? Yeah. Um, and, he, and he's the one who said, at least according to the caricature of it, because I actually never even clicked on the video because I saw this five trillion times, um, Something along the lines of, you know, maybe the older folks, they wouldn't mind exiting the scene so that the more productive youngs could go on with their lives. Um, it, that's how it's whatever he said. It was a pretty kind of social Darwin-y sounding uh, calculation about the olds might die, but let's not like completely choke off the economy for the youngs. Um, and so this the, the, the level of glee that I saw half of the world uh, embrace this with because, and it was always that one quote from that one interview with, who, with, by the way, Tucker Carlson, who has been uh, a, a, someone who's been done kind of good and, and uh, intellectually honest work with this stuff. Um, but like, Oh good. We got one. So now we can say that everybody on that side has these 
uh, like uh, awful uh, social. Dar- they want to kill grandma. Can you believe it? They all just want to kill their audience at Fox. That's what they want. They want to murder a million of their viewers. Like that's what you saw for the next 36 hours. And the sense of, like it's like whooshing out of people the sense of relief because it's so much they, they're so used to that. It's so much easier just to see that the monsters live on the other side of the argument that you don't have to actually grapple with the 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 angst the trouble that we're in the actually difficult policies do you close the schools do you open them how much of the economy do you close by what mechanism do you get the federal government here do you get the state government here let's look there's a lot of open questions and the science as we've mentioned is totally open they don't know everyone's trying to figure out why germany has this rate they're trying to figure out whether japan actually has been lying about their rates which i think that they have because they were trying mm-hmm. to keep the olympics open right so like there's a whole bunch of stuff up in the air and it's so much easier just to go oh okay look it's just them doing that you saw the same thing with the discussion of the uh two trillion dollar uh bailout stimulus nightmare bill that was passed uh by a vote of 96 to zero as these things inevitably are in the senate uh we'll see what happens with it but the portrayal on either side of, of each position much of which contained a lot of truth because it's congress and this is what they do particularly bad they do emergency one time gotta vote for it legislation where they cram in all kinds of absolutely pointless uh self-defeating nightmare wish list bullshit um that's what they do so yes there's plenty of stuff to criticize but people want to retreat back into that and what is frustrating as a consumer of news and it's even worse i think part of it is that my uh sense of uh of, of patience is worn down to the nubbins but like my uh, lunging for the remote after cable television has gone down from like 30 minutes or three minutes to about three seconds. Um, and uh, same thing with uh, any time that Trump does a, a presser from the White House. <clears throat> it's either the, you know, Vice President Pence saying, you know, and just the leadership from you, Mr. President, I just, you know, d- dad gum, you know, I just like, ah, I have to turn it off. Or it's the journalists. <laughs> well, no, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to live in a country where that has to happen with about half the people who go up the microphone. They've got to blow smoke up of the fucking idiot president's rear end just to try to <laughs> like get, stay in the, in the game. That's embarrassing. That is fucking embarrassing. Jesus Christ. So there's that. And then on the other side, there's like so journalists. There's, that. <laughs> there's, there's journalists who like don't want to let it go. Like, Mr. President, you said this thing on January 27th. What do you? You know, how would you rate on a scale of one to ten how truthful that was? It's like, bro, you know what? It's March now. It's like March, I don't know, 26th. We got some stuff to talk about. We got like, so how many people died? How how many beds are there? How many ICU beds are available? Where are we getting the mat? There's like stuff to talk about now, but that they want to focus on this and they want to be on the other side. Of the- they want to be the one that Trump says, fake news, you suck, whatever. They want to have that clip themselves. Stop it. Stop all of it. Yeah. There are actual journalisms to do. You could do those instead of this nonstop point scoring culture war bullshit that people do all fucking day long. And that's how we've gotten to this mess where we, you know, something bad happens. We have no idea how to do with it because we've lost the ability to breathe with our mouths. Mm. But but isn't there something to be said, Matt, for I mean, the point that I was making earlier, just about the quality of journalism around things related to medicine and science <laughs> Like they, they tend to not do that stuff well. <laughs> By and, the way, and, when did and in you, a circumstance where that in the George Jefferson medicine, voice, <laughs> I don't know. I like it. Not angry I like, enough to be I like that Jeff. pronunciation. Medicine. 
medicine. Um, but, but they don't do that kind of co- they don't do that kind of coverage well. So as a result, really they 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 go back to the the one standard refrain that they're particularly good at. Like the president sucks. He's terrible. He's making a he's making a hash of all of this. Um, there's there's a sense in which this feels a lot like that uh, flight 370, like Malaysian Airlines period, where for about a month and a half or so, and I know we were in the news court building like, every day during that period, Matt. Uh, but for about a month or so, that was the only thing anyone was talking about on air, and it just got really really insane at different points. Like there, black hole, there were Don conversations Lemon conversations about UFOs and black holes and. <laughs> aliens and the Bermuda Triangle and all kinds yeah. of other crazy It was crap. like the only and, only day that CNN ever beat Fox was like during that period. <laughs> was it the like, Black Hole? It's, it's totally insane. Yeah. But, this is, but this is exactly like that period in some respects, except it's so much worse because it's like we're inside the plane <laughs> yeah. and we're watching this nonstop. It is yeah. so terrible. So I don't, I don't know that they could do better and I certainly don't expect better. I think what, for the most part, what most of us should be doing is, is tuning this stuff out. Um, because so much of the, so much of the reporting is so bad. I think even, even the constant drumbeat about the total case numbers, um, that we're getting. And the big story of today is that the United States has more cases than anyone, anyone in the world. We've surpassed China in terms of the number of cases and woe is us. Um, I don't know that that's actually as as big a story as people imagine. Um, it's certainly not an insignificant story, but it matters that the United States has a, a population that eclipses the United Kingdom or Germany. So when Germany has like forty three thousand cases and we have eighty thousand, like their cases per million is actually higher than ours. So it, it that's. That seems important. It also seems important that China is almost certainly lying about their numbers and has been from the start. So we don't really know. Um, and, and I just don't know that it serves us particularly well to obsess over every single, um, every single casualty or every single jump in the numbers the way that we do. I don't know that that is nearly as good as focusing on whether or not we have the right strategies in place. Um, and what, what in fact people, what in fact we actually know um, about how to prevent transmission um, and about which portions of the population are the most vulnerable. Um, and to the extent we can't actually communicate much new about that, I mean, it's, it's a challenging situation, especially for people who are trapped in their homes. Well, I mean, I think the number that matters and that you should obsess over is um, uh, the rate of hospitalization ICU beds versus the capacity thereof. Sure. Because that's happening sure. in New York right now, um, which you would know if you weren't five thousand miles away on a hilltop I'm, making. Sport I'm aware out of the local population. I'm aware of the situation. <laughs> um, I actually have no, a new telescope, that, so it's, that's what I'm very excited about tonight. After I get off the phone with you guys, I'm going to go outside and, and look at the yes, star. going to get on my <laughs> telescope. I, I heard that as a new telescope. Yeah, you're just like looking in a big jar yeah. Nutella. That's no, Hoover in no. that right down. Uh, nope, no, not like that. that's what that's what everyone is going to be dealing with uh, coming up soon. And this is one sense in which Cuomo, who's absolutely loving being the love gov, mm-hmm. and I can say living in a household uh, where this is uh, clearly an offer here. The uh, the the amount of um, 
ladies of a of of a certain uh career status and and age finding him to be strangely reassuring is uh is hilarious but um uh no he My loves it law loves him yeah. but the but the uh the thing that he says and which is true is that look look you many of you are going to go through versions of this soon so let's learn from us granted new york is an outlier on every single level possible mm-hmm. in terms of density in terms of of uh public transportation uh, in terms of having a real jackass of a six foot seven purse lipped mayor. Um, but uh, you're going to see capacity hit up. New Orleans looks like it's going to be really bad and yeah, Florida and other exactly. and other places. So that number, that's an, that's like the only number that matters. I, I think you're right. Camille, like the raw numbers is just a way to get a lazy person's attention. But the number that absolutely matters now is are we going to have enough beds are we going to have enough masks? Are we going to have enough ventilators? Well, we we have uh, a uh, we have a hospital ship uh, docking in the next couple of days. Um, you know, it is worrisome. I mean, when you see Elmhurst Hospital in Queens um, at thirteen deaths yesterday, and uh, had to, I think a ref- I saw something about renting a refrigerated truck because they had no place to Yikes. put the bodies, um, and that's a true fact. I mean, that's not a to, to sort of scare story, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think at this point that, that I'm worried about the unemployment rate, which we saw the numbers of 3.3 million. We have no idea in New York City because New York City government is fantastically incompetent in almost every every way. And so if you try to apply for uninsurance, unemployment insurance in New York City, you cannot get on the website and haven't been able to for 48 hours. So one would assume that, you know, Target would not let its website go down for 48 hours. The, the the government of New York uh, has no problem doing that. So um, to uh, Camille's point, though, about um, what was the point that you made? There was there was something that I was going to say that there's a there's a guy and, and we should again want to address this. Oh, it was about the uh, Chinese figures not being reliable. There's a guy mm-hmm. that I want to address uh, his stuff on on the Patreon because he deserves a fuller response um, who is in Scotland. And his name's Jack. Um, and that's all I can say, because he said, don't mention my name beyond that. And he wrote a very smart, long email. And you would appreciate it, uh, Camille, if you, were, if you had actually read it, um, that uh, <laughs> it's, a big, it's a lot of praising of you. Um, and he's, uh, he said at one point, says, because of this podcast, I presume, and actually a, a Camille recommendation of uh, the use of knowledge in society by Hayek, which he's read, is that he is, he is, well, he's a radical man. Uh, and he's a trot, a, a socialist, and uh, of the uh, trot persuasion. And uh, that's he good. Says Those that are the people I ba- want to talk to. He, uh, well, he's bouncing between trot and Hayek now, is what he says. Um, at the end of this, mm. um, he does say something for Matt in capital letters before he says "love you," comma Jack. The line before that, capital letters. Get Ken Lane on the podcast. <laughs> so Jack, oh. uh, Camille reminded me of your your um, very smart uh, note, and I want to address it, but we'll address that on a Patreon one uh, very, very soon because there's a lot of really, really good points on it, and, and Camille will enjoy it because uh, at one point he says um, uh, that he's come around to the Camille position. One thing he did say, which I think is something I brought up, was a woman in the UK uh, who was working a very long shift as a nurse and recorded a video of herself crying that she couldn't get the products that she wanted. Um, Jack calls bullshit um, and makes a pretty, pretty uh, convincing case, um, which is the first thing that he says. And this is also 
something that I had thought about after the fact. He says, first, she took the conscious decision to record that video, which is something you often don't realize when somebody knocks on a door in a documentary and you see them from inside the house. <laughs> You're like, wait a second, there's yeah. a camera in the house. I never, <laughs> I didn't think about that. Camera's in the house. Yeah, it's fake. Yeah, it's, it's fake, fake, you know, but that- yeah, we, um, we stage we stage stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, and the funniest thing about this- <laughs> He has um, uh, this, I wish I could, I I would, I'd like to read this in a Scottish accent, but I don't want Jack to make fun of me. I, I, it's mine. Scottish accent is not terrible, but uh, (laughs) um, uh, this is good. Second, based solely on the evidence she presents in the video. It wasn't that the shop had run out of uh, food, uh, that other shops weren't available or that as a critical care nurse, she maybe should have fucking noticed that maybe getting some food in the house was a good idea. Oh man! And then um, he gets gets uh, funnier after that. But uh, Jack will answer will answer your message soon, Jack. Um, but uh, I thought that he also says that his he has uh, a relative I won't say which one uh, who lives in uh, Wuhan and comments on that. So and says that uh, the uh, um, I'm sure that the stats from the Chinese government are unreliable, and I have no love mm-hmm. for that shithole regime. But honestly, <laughs> amen. But honestly. He's fine. 60 days plus indoors, but not dead. Um, so anyway, but just wanted to uh, uh, drop that in there before we uh, pivot to give our listeners a slight respite from uh, so much Corona that we have forgotten that there's an election going on. Nobody's talking about it. I haven't heard Bernie Sanders name <laughs> mentioned. He might be dead. I don't know. He might have gotten coronavirus. He might have moved to Cuba. Um, in the meantime, (laughs) he might be running for, uh, parliament in Nicaragua, but, uh, there's some other stuff happening in the world. Isn't there? Isn't there? No guys. I I don't think so. Is there not really? Oh, no. We we just had a $2 trillion, $2 trillion stimulus bill, which is what percent of GDP, Matt, like 10%, something stupid. Um, they say this is the first one. There's going to be another, and I'm, I'm sure that there'll be reaching for another $2 trillion. And the, the sensibility is that's probably still not enough to stave off disaster. Um, I, I, no one is, uh, I think I've seen um, Joe Biden two or three times like in the past week because he's trapped in his home because he, like everyone else is afraid of catching this thing. Um, only Donald Trump is apparently immune to it, still surrounded by people. Um, apparently not shaking hands anymore, but always on stage, nearly shoulder to shoulder with a half dozen people. Um, I don't know that there really is anything else to talk about. There's no sports. Well, well, I can. As you guys else, are, are, are uh, well, as I you can, were talking, yeah, Moynihan, yeah. Uh, the top of my uh, uh, Twitter feed is the uh, account People for Bernie, uh-huh. uh, and there's a picture of uh, Bernie looking at a uh, his laptop, um, uh, twiddling his uh, thumbs. And it says, us waiting for all the pundits, candidates, and bad faith actors who spent decades asking us how we'll pay for it to apologize. Well, I know, but that question still exists. I mean, it literally totally still, still exists. exists. I asked. Yeah. It's, um, actually, it's actually even crazier now. It's even crazier now, despite the fact that they believe that now that we're doing all of the things, we'll just keep doing it forever. It's still I, unaffordable. <laughs> I, I asked a very progressive person today who has um, some oversight and some influence on this type of thing, this type of money. 
uh, coming in from DC and coming into New York. And I asked that person, um, does any of this, I know you're a progressive and I know that you want, this is kind of some of your dreams uh, coming true right now under bad circumstances. And he was a nice guy and I, I, I trusted his, his uh, wrong opinions about some of this stuff. And I said, does it worry you? Because you can't quantitatively ease yourself into a normal economy by just printing money and not caring about debt. And this guy has progressive dreams on par with Bernie Sanders. And he said, it terrifies me. It no, terrifies me. And, it um, and he also took shots at de Blasio too at the same time. But um, I think you know who I'm talking about, Matt, because I mentioned his name to you the other day. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these people, people are, uh, this is not a, 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 a small deal at all. But it's also not a small deal when I talk to a um, business owner who opened a restaurant the day, the day the city of New York told him to shut down. It was, it was planned mm -hmm. on opening that day in the East Village, a kid from the South Bronx, Puerto Rican kid, you know, really interesting and inspirational story. And he's like, I think they're, I think it's overblown. I want to get my people back to work. And he's like, I don't care. You can send me some bailout check. It's not going to cover like a quarter of what I have to pay. Not even an eighth because, you know, I have a restaurant in the East Village in New York City and that rent and those employees that he desperately wants to pay because they signed up with him and they're friends of his, et cetera. And they've been there with him from the beginning. Um, and he just feels terrible about it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the sacrifices this guy's had to make. And it was so kind of, amazing to listen to him because he was like, we got to get this economy back open again. And I said, mm -hmm. what happens if it doesn't open? And he said, well, I'm, I'm making contingency plans for this. And he's been in the restaurant uh, uh, hospitality business for a long time, but he finally has something of his own. And he said, um, I'm really looking at um, uh, nursing because, you know, at least uh, I could I could help out in a situation like this. And I was like, that's pretty nice of you, mm -hmm. you know, and it's I, it's like the the equivalent of somebody in 9-11 saying, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll join the Marines or something. But yeah, uh, yeah. but, you know, it's really it's really hurting people. But the one thing I want to say that is, you know, not uh, it is a Corona story, but it's a kind of adjunct story that addresses other things. Is that a story today that I saw on the BBC? And I have made one point many, many times in this podcast. Um, particularly at the, at, during the first year or so of Donald Trump's administration, particularly when he was harping on immigration all the time. Um, and I used to try to make the basic point that anti-immigrant feeling and fervor um, happens in every country on the globe. And I mentioned a million examples. What I never mentioned at that time was something that we filmed, and it wasn't me, it was somebody else, a different correspondent, filmed of uh, protests in Mexico, um, in Tijuana, against um, Central Americans being in their country. Um, they wanted them out, et cetera. A story today, which I think is very, very funny, the BBC, and the headline of the BBC is, Cano uh, coronavirus colon, Mexicans demand crackdown on Americans crossing the border. <laughs> <laughs> Mexico has 500- World turned upside down. Exactly. Mexico has 500 confirmed uh, uh, COVID-19 cases. The U.S., oh, about 70,000. And they're lining up and protesting on the border in Nogales and uh, Arizona border <laughs> saying, stay out of our country. Isn't, awesome. that, isn't that amazing? 
build that wall. You know what? You know what? I said that Donald Trump promised that Mexico would pay for the wall. They will not just pay for it at this point. They are going to build it. They yeah. are going to build I mean, they got and the pay for the wall. Workers. Promise yeah. made, promise kept. Exactly. MAGA. You had no, this was a long-term plan that he had. I'm going to get some of this. This is he promised. Yeah. It's pretty I wonder amazing. how many of the, uh, the uh, people who've got, uh, who've got Rona down there are uh, American retirees in San Miguel de Allende. Oh yeah, um, totally. Yeah, which yeah. is just like a total colony of people getting their social security checks and yeah. and uh mm. and drinking all the margaritas and buying bad art. Uh, well, yeah, the buying bad art one is 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 that's what, you know, the Coco Pelli t-shirts on. Um uh other good news today, um I don't ever support the DEA in any of its ventures or particularly when they Uh-oh. when they um when they uh, uh, are issuing uh, arrest warrants that, uh, well, DEA in conjunction with uh, Bill Barr uh, and a reward of $15 million uh, leading to the arrest of Venezuelan President Nicola Maduro, <laughs> uh, which uh, the uh, United States is charged with narco-terrorism. Um, everything about oh, this God. is wrong. The narco is right. The terrorism is right, considering... Venezuela's support of the FARC in Colombia, which is then, of course, um, a drug uh, smuggling organization, which has brought a lot of drugs in the U.S. So I guess technically it's true. I don't, typically wouldn't support something like this. But, you know, if it's a $15 million reward for uh, Maduro's head in a spike, yeah, not going to not going to complain. So that's something neo-con, else that happened. I totally neo-con. didn't, I totally didn't catch that. That's not I totally neo-con. didn't catch that. You didn't this catch is like, on drugs is a miserable failure. It doesn't matter. I don't give That's a shit. How we got Noriega? Get get him whatever way we want. I literally, oh you could. I, we I will plant child pornography on his fucking Motorola flip phone. <laughs> Bring him in irons that way. Who cares? That's that's one exception. Oh my god! Look, like, don't no, hold look, your head in your hand. Come on, come on. I, <laughs> well, look. I know you said we would give them a respite, and we've been going for a while, and almost certainly should stop. But I did want to. I did want to say one thing that has been stuck in my craw for like two days. Um, mm. There was this this Twitter thread um, from Craig Spencer, who is the director of global health and emergency medicine at uh, Columbia Medicine, um, and is he is in the field. He is currently practicing and he is working with numerous coronavirus patients right now. Um, And one of his threads from last week was just this real like heart stopping and simultaneously very inspiring um, long thread about just how challenging and difficult it is and all the stuff that they're seeing on the ground there. And I, I don't doubt that it is a harrowing experience. Um, it, it sounds horrific. I've seen um, a number of stories uh, about just what sort of challenges they're facing in New York in particular, where we've seen so many cases um, because of the population density, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but there was uh, a moment in the thread towards the end where he has sort of this characteristic line. Um, uh, the, the, Post begins with like we were too late to stop the virus, full stop. But we can slow its spread. The virus can infect those it never meets. Stay inside. Social distancing is the only thing that can save us now. 
And then he closes with, I don't care as much about the economic impact as I do about the ability to save lives. And I think we've alluded to that same sentiment um, earlier today. And that's something that has become a bit of a, of a rallying cry uh, over the course of the last week or so. And it's certainly the case that on the past two dispatches, I think that we've released on the main thread, I've made the case that it is important to recognize that there are pretty substantial trade-offs here and that we could incur some ruinous expenses if we are sort of haphazardly using a sledgehammer to try to fix this problem without regard to, to the consequences that might happen to spillover effects. Um, and I would say again that in as much as I am like genuinely concerned about this um, and continue to think that there are a lot of things that we ought to do about this and about things afterwards, there really is. It's, it's impossible for me to appreciate what people think they're saying when they make the claim that there, there can't be any trade-offs and that there is never a point at which we make calculations about the amount of effort that we're going to expend in sort of one category um, versus all of the other categories. It's not as though during any other time of the year, you know, the public health budget is a hundred percent of every government's budget. There are always decisions and calculations that are made um, about what is reasonable and what isn't reasonable. And in the broadest sense possible, like the actual consequence of these policies sustained over the course of like 12 or 18 months, as some people have projected, like would be devastating in ways that are like difficult to project and hard to, hard to fathom. Um, and it's certainly the case that most people are just unwilling to think about that. Uh, but it's a bit like putting out, you know, the, the fire in your home, like with your own body, which just most people would not recommend that. It's an inadvisable strategy in as much as putting out the fire is an important goal. Um, and I think it is entirely possible to, to keep faith with people who are doing like the Lord's work and putting themselves at risk and, and trying to confront this peril head on. Um, and to recognize that people who are deeply concerned about the other side of this, about the people who have their businesses that are at risk and all the other, all the rest of it, people who desperately want to do something more than sit in their home, um, that those people aren't, they're not bad. They're not monsters. They don't disregard the, the risk to human life. In some respects, I, I think they're willing to take on some risks, which is actually what the guy, um, who was on Tucker's show said, um, the, the general sentiment there was no one asked me. Um, if I was willing to make a trade off and if I have to choose between the economy being destroyed and my grandchildren being deprived of things and having a, a difficult life and an uncertain future, like I'm fine staying in my house for a period of time, but if they're not at risk, we shouldn't keep them at home. And, you know, we, we've been taught, I've been saying something like this for a, a period of almost a week and a half, maybe two weeks. And it is the case now that more people are talking about it. Donald Trump typically conventionally is talking about it in the sloppiest ways imaginable. Um, but there are lots of thoughtful people who are trying to come up with mechanisms to balance 
um, the two different categories of concerns. And some of those ideas seem more viable than others. And we'll have to see what actually works. And I suspect we'll try a bunch of different things. Um, but it's, it's well and good to try and figure out a way to have people not lose everything in the midst of this crisis. Um, and it's obviously going to take a hell of a lot more than, you know, government stimulus and the government apparently coming to own parts of the airline industry um, to actually get to the other side of this. So uh, w- one note of a vigorous agreement with that uh, addendum uh, is that I get people are in, in an emotional moment and every life is very important. And I agree with that. And that, that like the focus should be on saving lives right now and making sure we don't overwhelm hospital capacity. Yes. Yes. They had all the time. Um, and let's also be adults here, be little, put up a little grown up pants uh, and recognize that all over every level of government and particularly the federal government um, in policymaking, they put costs, actual numbers on human lives. They do it all mm-hmm. the time. Yes, they do. You look at, mm-hmm. look at transportation policy. How, how are we going to decide whether to, you know, uh, Jack up the speed limit to 70 miles per hour or 55 or down to 55. Well, it, it is a standard, it's an absolute standard thing. In fact, that um, we had a, a great piece by Robert Rubin, Rob Zubin, ah, whatever. I had reason uh, under my editorship a long time ago, um, arguing that space policy has been uh, a kind of uh, irretrievably bureaucratized because they estimated the cost of human life so high that like you just you, you no one would ever do anything again and he made this very provocative argument it's like we got to jack the cost lower we got to be willing to die in space to By the way, Matt, do- can i can i just point out that that is the most reasoned article ever they- totally <laughs> space about, about kill people uh, yeah uh, you know the regulations in space policy oh my <laughs> the god cost of you that's no, that's- just- like the you have to, reason piece. <laughs> if you don't do one of those every five years, you like get the bug zapper to your testicles. Yeah, like, ah! it's, you get, you even that reward is very, yeah. very uh, confusing. Um, but no, that 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 calculation is baked in all the time. Do not pretend that it is not. It's baked in to medical policy. It's baked into transportation. Everything else like that. Um, it's okay to uh, talk about that. And it's uh, another part about being grown up is to recognize that it's. It's not because the greedy people on Wall Street wanted to maximize their bucks while bodies are piling up. This is not why that conversation is happening. You, you're yeah. not surrounded by absolute depraved moral monsters who enjoy people dying. You're just not. And if you were like, okay, then maybe you should have self-quarantined a long time ago for crying out loud. People aren't that terrible. They're actually trying to figure out the best way forward too. Um, and in doing so, they're saying things like, hmm, is that a great idea to have the biggest spike in unemployment that we've ever seen yeah. <laughs> measurably? Like that's a, that's a legitimate question to be asked. And like, what yeah. does it mean? And how is it, how is it going to affect the livelihoods and the health, the actual health of the people who now stand to be unemployed for uh, a super long period of time? Uh, or, 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 you know, or, th- or think about, you know, things that we don't often think about, particularly in New York, which, all, you know, all three of us live in New York city we used uh, to well camille's gone <laughs> we we all suffer under the most significant tax burden in the country 
And I still have that. I can't, you can't st- run you, away you, from that. You can't run away from that. And the government of New York is looking at a $6 billion tax shortfall because of all these Ugh. businesses that are closed. And, you know, um, there's some profligacy. Um, we, you know, New York had a, a, um, a budget surplus last year. And it's kind of easy to have a budget surplus when you tax everybody at a thousand percent. So they had a budget surplus, <laughs> which has now evaporated almost immediately. And it is the government now, the New York City government is going through the budget in picking what things to kill, which is funny that, that they, the government of Bill de Blasio is having to go in through, um, at, you know, much resistance from the de Blasio administration to kill a bunch of, uh, uh, projects and, and trim the fat on a bunch of nonsense, uh, things that, that the government pays for. But it's not even just the money that, 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 that you know, the treasury is printing and, uh, and promising to, to these, uh, st- uh, state and local governments. And in our case, the city government, it's also the fact that the, the revenue generate, there's no revenue being generated by the government. That was not the case during the 2008 financial crisis. I mean, that, of course, was, was limited by people that were in dire financial straits because they were losing um, oftentimes multiple homes that they couldn't afford to even pay for. Um, but this is totally different that, you know, nobody is doing any business, really. I mean, that's why it's not a total shutdown, but more or less, it's a total shutdown. So re- remember that tax revenue is not coming in either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what happens? It's brutal what compromises with, all over the place. Yeah, hundred percent. When, like, you've had ten years of uninterrupted economic expansion—not super gangbusters, but like always going in that in that same direction. <clears throat> ten years of, in both cases, the longest bull run in the stock market history, longest economic expansion in history, and at the end of that, and before all this calamity happened, you've built up an annual deficit of one trillion dollars that was your that was your rainy day fund you had the opposite Mm -hmm. of one Mm. um and so what what happens every single time happened after 9 11 happened after 2008 is when the economy gets hammered you get less revenue and you get a hell of a lot more demand for government services yeah we're gonna see two trillion dollar deficits that's that's larger than the size of the federal government in the last year of bill clinton's presidency Okay, you can adjust it for inflation. Might be a little bit different, but not that much different. Um, the size of the deficit is going to be larger than the size of the federal government was twenty years ago. And, and, so, to, and to Matt's point about the rainy day fund is, if you talk to people in New York City government, they, um, you know, say a couple of people have told me that, um, despite their obviously progressive politics, that they're um, not unlike, you know, Venezuela or Russia or people. They were flying high when oil was $135 a barrel. And then when that came crash, crashing down to earth, they forgot that that day could ever exist. So these budget, budget surpluses, there's been no squirreling away of money. It's been uh, reckless uh, spending the whole time. So there's nothing really in the coffers uh, to begin with, just, just despite that, um, that surplus. Uh, what, the one thing I was going to ask both of you is what can those of us who have squirreled away a little bit of money and will have a little bit of money coming? <laughs> it's still working. I'll just say that it's still working. I cannot mm-hmm. uh, guarantee that that's going to remain the case. But if we are still working, I want the predictions of of two consumers 
and consumers of, of news and financial news of what should we be looking out for? What should I be looking out for where I can take advantage of this horrible time in American economic history <laughs> and actually get a good deal on something. I'm waiting for this to happen because there are these, these zero percent interest rates from the Fed are not trickling out to consumers yet because there is such a desire for money uh, from so many people that they don't really have to pass that savings along to the consumer. But I suspect it will be trickling down. Is there anything that you've seen, Camille, you buying a compound? Matt, are you uh, buying a <laughs> private jet or a helicopter or something? Uh, yeah, this is just turned into Matt. This just turned into mad money. <laughs> That's what's going on now. <laughs> Yeah. Look, <laughs> what, well, you know why? Just turn Bear out Stearns is fine. Bear yeah. Stearns is fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. I'm the Jim Cramer of this podcast. No, I'm literally <laughs> just looking for tips because I'm like, maybe I should buy something, but I'm you not smart buy enough a to know. House in the Hudson Valley. Look, I do. I do. Don't don't I don't do. buy don't buy any don't buy any real estate. Don't listen to Matt. Matt, not is crazy. The, I'm not in New York City. Matt, crazy. Not, not City, even in, not not anywhere. Person? Don't buy, buy any real piece estate. Of the Rommelman compound. Um, what, what, but oh my God. money's free right now, Camille. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm telling. Listen, dude. Honestly, if things go bad, the price of real estate kind of plummets. The market gets bad. People try to sell because they're distressed. You buy now. What I mean. So what is the price based on? Has anyone sold a house in New York in two months? Like it's crazy. Like everything is insane. I have no idea what one does with their money. I just, I just bought a house in New York. I spent a decent amount of money on the place and had to put a bunch of money into it. God knows what that thing is worth now. Maybe in inflation bucks, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be yeah. worth twice what it is. But, but even then, I mean, I suppose it's good to be able to ride the wave up as opposed to, to not uh, have your money be hyperinflated away. But, but I but, don't know, dude. Camille, it's such a bad time. I know, but Camille, if if you're sitting in that basement, cocking your pistol, cleaning it, you know, going crazy, growing a beard, writing survivalist <laughs> literature, whatever the fuck you're doing, the one thing you should be doing is calling whoever it is that gave you your mortgage and saying, I cannot make the payments, whether or not that's true. And or, you know, I don't want to pay any interest for the next six months. And they'll be like, all right, fine. Um, what it's, are the it's actually not obvious. It's not obvious who qualifies for all these goofy programs that are being created, and it's certainly not obvious. Well, that this is not. This is not a pre- willing I, to do that sort of thing for you. Well, one of the things that really pissed me off is I don't like seeing um, uh, government officials do this. Gavin Newsom was um, was I uh, was the governor of California was uh, talking to banks about this. Right, she did a press conference mm-hmm. three four days ago. Matt as our resident California expert probably knows more about this than I do, and said, we have talked to everybody. Wells Fargo, these people, they're all going to be great, great corporate citizens, and they are going to you know, allow you to skip, skip some uh, mortgage payments or whatever it might be. And then <laughs> he called out the, the company that didn't. We tried to get Bank of America to come on board with us. But Bank of America are a bunch of snakes and scumbags and low lives. <laughs> and the governor of California is on is in, in, in front of the lectern denouncing Bank of America for not uh, coming on board with his program to um, operate their company as he believes they should operate it, which I thought was really, really low. And uh, which one of which company was that? I think it was, it was Bank, Wells Fargo. It was Bank of America. Uh, but 
No, but I'm I'm thinking about the financial crisis. Uh, I think uh, Henry Paulson or someone uh, put all the banks in a room, said you all have to take this deal. And part of the deal yeah. was yeah. that you have to take the bailout. And I think it might have been Wells Fargo. It was like, dude, I don't know. It's not no. It's going to be bad uh, if we take it. And like, no, you have to take it um, in kind of like solidarity, or else it's not going to send the right signals to the markets. And they had to take it. Um, so that, that we're going to be in, in that, I mean, one way of, of thinking about what happens next, uh, policy wise is, uh, uh, acknowledging something that I've certainly written a lot about over the last, uh, especially five years is that whatever there was in terms of an ideological break on, uh, on some of these policies, like just some other side saying, I don't think you should do that. Um, that is now basically just an amash <laughs> and he gets, you know, he's, he's one vote against 400 some odd and uh, he gets denounced as just a, a terrible, awful person by the, the mm-hmm. J costs of the world uh, on a daily basis. There is no um, uh, ideological or intellectual movement against pulling a Gavin Newsom at this time. So we're going to see a lot of these things. You're going to see individual Companies like called to the carpet. I mean, hopefully some of that goes into the good direction, which is <clears throat> to say it'll be people who say, why, why are we bailing out the cruise industry, which doesn't exist in the United States for one um, <laughs> kind of a detail. Uh, why would we bail out, give any money to Boeing? Like, you know, the, don't hey, have enough. Uh, uh, so if, if some of this becomes sort of like anti-corporatism, I'm all for it. Um, but uh, I'm afraid that, much of it is just going to be in terms of, uh, you know, giving the president a half a, a trillion dollars to bail out who he feels like bailing out uh, because there is no, you know, we're all modern monetary theorists now. We can just throw money wherever. Um, it's uh, it's it's going to be uh, an unpleasant uh, near term future. Um, before we wrap this up, we're coming up on time here is that um, um, the stories that I enjoy that are kind of tangential uh, coronavirus stories is uh, one that I just saw come across the transom. And when I was in Sweden in the uh, 2000s, there was a guy who almost looked like, you know, a character in like Team America. He was such a stereotype of a terrorist uh, who lived in Norway, a long beard uh, guy with a uh, kind of a weird uh, self-made turban uh, named Mulla Krekar. And there were years, Mullah Krekar, they were trying to get him out of Norway and they tried to deport him, et cetera. The Norwegian law forbids people from doing this because they would, uh, they would uh, extradite him to Iraq where there was the death penalty and you can't extradite someone to a death penalty country in Norway. I just want to say that, that the Italians have been after him too for, uh, for um, terrorism offenses of leading a jihadist group uh, within Italy from Norway. I just want to say that, that in this uh, very special time, the uh, top of this story, the, the, the lead graph in the BBC is uh, this, a fundamentalist Iraqi cleric has been extradited to Italy from Norway. And me, yeah, finally, comma, despite concerns about the coronavirus, <laughs> this man who has caused untold deaths in the Middle East and led a terrorist group for 20 plus years might get the flu. And uh, I just want to know that in the first sentence, we are concerned about Mullah Krekar's health uh, in Italy that, uh, you know, he might, he might get the coronavirus. So um, 
here's looking at you, Mullah Krekar, and I hope you <laughs> at 63 years old, uh, you're high risk. And I really hope, I really, really hope you come out of this uh, feeling better. Okay. Uh, so that's my final comment on coronavirus, which I'm getting really tired of, to be honest. Yeah. This, this has been a bit of a downer. I think, I think we should definitely do what has been recommended by some, like, uh, some weird book, sh- book club thing where we talk about yeah. something else other than this. And I think it should, should be the last one most... for a bit. <laughs> we no, should not find the last our most spectacular. Last, yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. Find our most spectacular friends and bring them on and just, just talk to them about something completely unrelated to this this abysmal news cycle. And, and maybe I can say a couple of things that are slightly optimistic. I mean, one, the overwhelming majority of people that contract this miserable disease, this miserable virus, I should say, um, are not going to die. They're not, they're going to survive. And that's a good thing. Um, I think unless they're like a lot of people you hate and you want them to get the thing and die, then that's bad for you. But then you're a monster. (laughs) That's that's the first thing. The second thing is every country is a basket case and every country is undertaking these profoundly insane (laughs) measures to try and freeze their economies into place. So maybe we will succeed. Uh, at being the world's tallest midget and it really won't be that bad although i just don't think that's likely um but it's possible i suppose um but yeah i don't know what the hell to say it's a it's a difficult challenging time it is totally insane well i hope that matt um and maybe you camille have something to add to this on a final beat of um the the sort of almost late lamented uh, uh, feature of this uh, program of some idiot wrote this, which we don't even, it it kind of took over the show and it was just all about idiots at a certain point. So it (laughs) it felt kind of weird to kind of section it off, but I wanted to actually nominate a real hero um, named Marine Faruqi, Marine Faruqi, who is a member Mm. of um, uh, uh, parliament in um australia she's a greens senator for new new south west wales um and uh there is a video of her that she, uh, that she posted she's wearing a rather interesting outfit and the the uh the tweet that accompanies it um is uh that covid19 is a gendered crisis um, oh yeah nurses <laughs> nurse aides teachers child carers uh, early childhood educators, aged care workers, and cleaners are mostly women. They're in the front line of this public health crisis and carry a disproportionate risk of being exposed to the virus, which is um, wow. very, very uh, sad, very smart of uh, the senator um, until I clicked over um, right afterwards, just you know, stretching a little bit, saying, what's going on? Washington, D.C., the Washington Post headline, the coronavirus is killing far more men than women, and no one knows why. (laughs) So it is gendered. It is gendered. This little virus hates men. (laughs) It really, really hates men. And so the woman from uh, uh, New South uh, Wales is is our idiot of the uh, century for that that little tweet. (laughs) Because that we it's we've talked about how wokeness is kind of disappearing in this in this crisis, but once in a while, some shithead like this comes up and says, you know, this is really <laughs> bad for women, despite that seventy percent of the deaths are 
are men. It's bad for everybody, people. Let's not separate it that way. So anybody else have uh, dummies that they wanted to mention? I think that's a pretty good one. That's pretty good. No, that's that's strong. That's strong. Um, I, I did see a headline. I did see a headline um, that in the information is it is Amazon too essential. Um, and the headline was so offensively <laughs> stupid that I didn't bother to read the article because I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't know what that means. Mm. Is it essential? So that's, that's it. Is well, it, is it only, too essential? Is it too essential? Well, <laughs> Amazon is only uh, delivering what they what they deem to be essential uh, products now, because I, uh, I ordered a, um, you ready for this? I, yeah. or, I ordered mm-hmm. a yoga mat. Um, cause I, <laughs> I, I thought it'd be good to sleep on. It looked pretty like puffy. Um, uh, oh so <laughs> my God, I ordered it for Livia. She does, she does, uh, <laughs> gymnastics on the yoga. So I ordered one and, um, it's going to take a month to get here. So, Wow! Everybody, everybody else thinks Amazon's pretty essential, but that's it not is amazing. An, it's not yeah. considered an essential product. So, so you know what? We, I, we've gotten so used to getting everything instantly, and yeah. suddenly I'm like back in 1994. Like it exactly. takes a week for me to get stuff, and I'm completely outraged and beside myself. But I did so again outraged. just buy a new telescope. I'm gonna go. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna hang up with you guys, and I'm gonna go outside. And I'm going yes. to go look at the stars. I got this on geocities.com/slash yeah. <laughs> <laughs> telescopes because you can and get it on fucking Amazon. I am not an eight-year-old girl. What yeah. I just got <laughs> delivered today from Amazon is the thing that makes this noise. Uh. <laughs> oh my god! When did you when did you order that? When did you order it? Uh, it was it was only like uh, four or five days ago. It was with some other order that uh, Emmanuel put together. Uh, she's like, "Do you need anything from Amazon?" I'm like, "I absolutely need a seven dollar copper slide to put on my mangled yeah. ring finger." Well, that's uh, a great, <laughs> that's the great thing about now is that because uh, before going out for the past couple of days and shooting, I've been going completely insane, and I'm just like ordering weird like books, weird products, and like if you said that to me, like, "Hey, I ordered a." Like a slide, like I would probably be like, okay, cool, and get off the phone with you and order like a pedal steel. <laughs> I'd be like, let me buy yeah. a let me buy a pedal steel for like seven hundred dollars, and then be and hopefully become really good at it, and not actually become really good it's at that, it. It's actually a true story. I was a little concerned about you. I'm glad that you found some other things to do because why? Why were you, you know, concerned? It's a dark dark days. I mean, you re- you really were just like buying weird stuff. Oh yeah, did I tell you about that? Yeah, stuff? fuck. Why yeah, well, we you? heard about some of it. Yeah. What I did I know. tell you about? Tell me one thing I told you exactly. about. Exactly. No, we shouldn't that. talk about that. Oh, no, shit. well, you just bought that new recorder, so. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, I bought but that. But it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I bought that. I was, yeah. That was actually was coming from the coronavirus buy. test, and I walked by Best yeah. Buy, and I was like, oh, I should buy some sound yeah. equipment. Yeah, it might be it. positive. Let me just go into Best Buy. Yeah, it might be my last purchase <laughs> before I die. Before I'm on a Whatever, it around, Paul. But you know what? That <laughs> I zo- might be positive. Let's go in the gym. That six Let's track, play. that six track Zoom mic with those with that stereo mic on the top is going to re- record the ventilator in the crispest possible sound yeah. when I'm heaving, oh trying to get my last breath. Is that you know I've been oh making some gosh. I've been making some weird purchases, admittedly, but I decided that maybe I should get a car. Um, cause I gotta get out of the city. I, I'll get anything. I'll get, yeah. you know, if you want me to get a Kia well, this, Sorento. I'm, I'm actually thinking about that too. I need it. I need to get a Yugo, yeah. um, the, the Zagreb model. And, uh, <laughs> the thing is, is you can't, I don't have a New York driver's license. 
um, which was part of my arrest story before. And I, and it's been, oh, um, yeah. you know, suspended. Because the one that I don't have has been suspended and I can't take care of any of this because the DMV, which usually you have to make an appointment nine years in advance. Cause you know, it is like, like the, a, a Bulgarian socialist Republic. It's like, that's the type of service <laughs> that you get. And now it's totally closed. So I can't, I can't, I can't get plates. I don't know how, if I could buy a car, how would I get plates for it? How would I? I don't know. Yeah. I'm, Anyone has I'm actually not sure about that either, but generally when you buy it, you get 30 day tags. So, and you get, yeah, but what happens? I don't think it, it, I, they say now that they're like mm-hmm. tentatively going to open in like April 15th or 20th or something. So even that's cutting it close. Yeah. I'm sure you can probably get additional, additional temp tags if it really comes down to it. Like the dealer, but I don't have a help, York- hook you up. I don't, but I don't have a license, a New York license. I have a Massachusetts license. Well, yeah, I mean that's a that's a more fundamental problem for you, I suppose. Is it is it legit? Is it a current license or is it expired? No, I got it in fucking Indonesia, like at like by the airport. Like, <laughs> no, like, yes, it's well, legit. actually, you know what? Um, I'm, I I should tell you this because you're probably going to want to cut this out. You're actually totally breaking the law, like having a driver's license um, out of state when you're a New York uh, resident after uh six months more than six months is totally a crime camille that is breaking the law i'm not going to cut that out because that is breaking the law (laughs) in the same way that tearing the fucking tag off the mattress is breaking the law i don't i I own it i don't drive with it i drove once with it and i got arrested so i've done my time i've built up the antibodies I can't get arrested again for it. <laughs> once you get arrested once, they can't. There's no double jeopardy in New York in that way. Who knows? But I'm trying to go legit. But no, the, that's the, not the how double jeopardy works. They just. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to go legit, but they shut down. The situation is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. 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 So any any listeners can right, make should... me uh, tags for my car. Just draw them, and I'll stick them on the, side of the car. That uh, I they don't probably have. Yeah, some you see that guy with the cardboard plates. tag. Yeah. Yeah, we have some making plates, guys. They're all really muscular. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, I can, by the way, tell that you people who have made plates, I can tell that that tattoo was once a swastika. You drew over it. I know what you're doing. You get out of jail. You're not in the Aryan nations anymore. I get it. I like that the one guy who came to our uh, coronavirus spreading um, the listener party yeah. uh, on uh, on March 9th, um, when I saw him, I was like, oh, when would you get out? Uh, and uh, he never, he never laughed uh, oh, about whoa. it. And Wait, never... was there someone that was in the clink? Uh, 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 it was never acknowledged one way or the other, which is which is the totally the right play, by the way. That's how you want to run it. Uh, but no, he was a pretty muscled dude with no no hair, and um, and he was talking about how he he uh, just got into his uh, current line of work recently. Oh yeah, um, I was like, oh yeah. So like, how long do you serve? And he's like, uh-huh. uh huh. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I doubt it, but I want to believe it. I said, man, that's the thing. I want to believe that we're we're helping people uh, get through some um, some places. It's a tough personal times after they murdered an entire family. <laughs> <laughs> they, there's some people who get this, but they was home. It's a Richard, yeah. Richard Pryor reference. Um, all right, let's get out of here because I got a headache and, and I'm tired and I want to go look at my telescope, which is a yeah. euphemism. Um, <laughs> so go That's n- right. Uh, Pornhub has uh, reduced its rates, right? They, so. they have. They have, specifically for me because um, I'm, I'm out there doing an essential job every day. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> but go be a nerd, Camille. Go embarrass yourself. All right. Um, Bye. T- tell your wife that I hope she's feeling okay. And uh, tell Matt, tell your wife that I miss her, but I'll text her later. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 We, 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 we know of new methods of attack. Thank <laughs> you.